This chapter is called Defense. It was rare to see Lainey without a book these days. She always seemed to be reading, whether at meals or walking across the lawn or through the mansion. And while she didn't usually bump into things while reading and walking, it happened that as she left the girls' hallway on her way to breakfast, some sort of someone sort of popped out of nowhere in front of her and she ran right into him. Her book flew out of her hands and sailed over the balcony railing, causing quite a stir down below. Hey, watch it, shrimp. It was Will Blair. Lainey scrambled to her feet peered, and peered over the railing. Sorry, she called out to the pedestrians below, but those assaulted by the book had moved on by now. She turned back to Will, her eyes burning. Why do you have to be so rude? Will, who was a wiry boy of 16, snarled. Why do you have to be such a priss? Lainey flounced off down the stairs in a huff. When she got to the bottom, she couldn't help but look over her shoulder to see if Will was following her. But in the stream of humans and creatures all heading down the stairs for breakfast, he had disappeared. Lainey rolled her eyes and picked up her book, which someone had kindly set on a hallway table to keep it from being trampled, opened it up, and began reading again as she made her way to the dining room and joined the others at their usual table. You're late this morning, Megan remarked as Lainey sat down next to Samid. Both Samid and Alex were bleary-eyed from their nighttime escapade, and they sat and they ate in silence. But Megan was as bright as ever. That will blur, Lainey grumbled, knocked me down and blamed it on me. Were you reading? Megan asked. Well, yes, but he came out of nowhere and I ran right into him. Samid paused his chewing, turned to look at Lainey, swallowed and said, what do you mean he came out of nowhere? Were you standing in front of the boys' hallway or something? Well, that would be a stupid place to stand, wouldn't it? Don't you think I know better than that? Lainey rolled her eyes and grabbed a jelly-filled pastry from the basket at the center of the table. One never knows with you, Samid said, not very nicely. He looked at Alex, but Alex appeared to be lost in his own thoughts and not paying attention. Lainey's eyes flared, but she held her tongue. She still sung a little from the Simbers' whirlwind admonishment in the dining room several weeks before. Megan looked around. Where is he? I don't see him. Well, he never came down the stairs, Lainey said, her mouth full of pastry. He's not as bad as you think, Samid said. He's just acting. Both girls snorted rocociously at that, bringing Alex out of his trance. Hmm, what's that? Alex said. He checked the clock on the wall and downed the rest of the milk on his, in one tremendous gulp. Oh, never mind, Lainey said. She finished her pastry, pastry, wiped her mouth on her napkin, and pushed her chair back. Let's go. The Team Warrior classes had been extended to two hours each morning and afternoon on the lawn. Each day it seemed more and more adult unwanteds and mansion creatures sat in some Sat and some to brush up their fighting skills and others to observe curiously what sorts of magical items the new unwanted were creating. Today, Florence had them all sit on the lawn since the first part of class was to be a lecture. The four friends sat in front of two. The four friends sat two in front of two and they whispered together in their little square about the new magical items they'd brought. When everyone was seated, Claire Morning came forward. For our lecture today, Florence boomed, we have Miss Morning. While the audience clapped polite, applauded politely, Megan cheered wildly for the musical Miss Morning was Megan's favorite instructor. Alex leaned over to Samid. If we get an hour's worth of music lessons, I think my head might explode. In that case, bring on the music, Samid muttered. Alex scowled, 
to hide the sting. Whatever. He couldn't figure Samid out. Lainey shushed them both with pokes at their ribs as Miss Morning began to speak. For the next few days, we will be working on defensive skills, she said. Defensive skills are crucial to Artemians, for if we are ever at war, we will be fighting against people with weapons very different from ours. Samid grew somber as he remembered how he could have been an expert with the weapons of Quill by now. He jabbed Alex with his elbow and whispered, Defense, we need to learn how to fight to kill. It's the only way we'll win against the Quillitary. Alex furrowed his brows. I, I don't know about that. Miss Morning continued, who can give me an example of a defensive skill? She looked around at a group of students. Gentlemen, she said pointedly to Alex and Samid who were still whispering. You guys got caught, Lainey whispered merrily. And Lainey, Miss Morgan added, the three of you come up to the front, please. Alex and Samid snickered at Lainey's look of surprise as they went up to join the instructor. Laney, you'll be the enemy standing back here with your weapons. No magic from you, all right? Laney nodded and pretended to hold the weapon. Miss Morning turned to the boys, who were both a bit red-faced at being the center of attention. At my command, Laney will charge at you. You should have the variety of options in mind already about what to do. But remember, right now we are simply doing defensive skills, so please don't attack her with a magical item. So defensive means like they're just trying to block they're not trying to hurt her, I think. They're just like trying to defend themselves, like block things. Any questions? Yeah, Alex said. What sort of weapons does the Quillitary have actually? Excellent question. Who has the answer? Knives, Samid said. Shields too. Pieces of horrid rusty metal, laughed someone. Oh, and slingshots, someone else hooted. Sticks and stones and insults, said another. Some of the Artemians didn't laugh at the other, at the last one. Guns, Laney said. The word rang out. The crowd was still. Yes, some have guns, Miss Morning said seriously, though they are not terribly powerful, but they can pack a punch. Most of them are BB or pellet guns, Laney said with an air of authority that some might have questioned. That could possibly kill birds, rabbit keys, even small bebops. But the governors all have handguns. Those are deadly to humans and large creatures. After a long, silent pause, while the crowd looked at one another, Miss Morning nodded. Thank you, Mrs. H Miss Haluki. She turned back to face the three. Ready? Alex and Samid had been staring at Lady Laney, not having known about the governor's weapons. But now they both snapped their attention back to Miss Morning. Laney faced her opponents, and the three of them nodded together. Ready? Go! Laney charged toward the boys as Alex immediately whipped a paintbrush from his pocket and waved it in front of himself while Samid whispered a chant. In a matter of seconds, Alex painted himself invisible and Samid jumped in the air and appeared to hang suspended, then shot off like lightning toward the jungle. Laney stopped short, aimed an imaginary pistol at Samid and whispered, Bam! She turned, wondering if she still had the chance to find Alex. The audience murmured while Lainey studied the lush grass in front of her. She stalked five paces, feeling a bit silly now, having no idea which direction might be correct. When she saw two dents in the grass, she charged forward as the dents moved, and then she reached out and grabbed it at an invisible something. But it got loose, and Lainey couldn't hear Alex cackling as he reached the hard footpath, leaving her no more clues as to where his whereabouts. She shrugged at Miss Morning. I guess I give up. 
she said with a half grin. The audience roared its applause for the demonstrators as Samid... As Samid... Sorry, guys. As Samid returned at a gallop, Lainey clapping too until she felt a gentle hand on her shoulders. She turned and didn't see anyone. You were great, Alex whispered in her ear. Her hair smelled like mangoes. He squeezed her shoulder and not really knowing why other than the adrenaline of the chase or the fear of the guns or knowing the amazing feeling of being invisible in front of all these people or perhaps it was the contrast of her bright blue eyes and her shiny black hair. But Alex, feeling suddenly quite daring, pulled Lainey a little closer and pressed his lips against her smooth cheek. Lainey froze. What are you doing? Alex chuckled softly as the... Audience began looking for him. Gotta go, he said. Lainey blushed furiously as she felt Alex's hand leave her shoulder. She turned around so her back was to the crowd and pretended to look for him. But all she could think about was that the boy was the, with the kind brown eyes that she'd met on the quill bus. The boy who she'd, that she'd pelted with spells trying to get his attention. The boy who rarely noticed her whenever Megan was around. That boy had just kissed her right on the cheek. A moment later, as the crowd's applause died down and Samit had gone back to his seat, the sound of an aerosol spray could be heard. Soon, Alex, who had now sprayed himself with visible spray, was in full view again. He sauntered back to his place next to Samit, a goofy little grin on his lips, and the audience clapped once again. He glanced sidelong at Lainey, giving her a sly wink as he sat back down. Lainey's face grew hot again. She turned her attention to Miss Morning and, trying very hard to resist touching the warm spot on her cheek, pretended quite convincingly to be enraptured by the rest of the demonstrations and lessons. A glimpse of Quill. At the end of class, Lainey, sorry, at the end of class, Alex, whose mind was now occupied with things other than Lainey, slipped away from the others as they headed to lunch. He bounded up the marble staircase and stepped cautiously into the secret hallway making sure no one was around. And then he crept down the hall toward Mr. Today's office, knowing that the mage, mage always had lunch with the students on Tuesdays. When he got to a place where the glass wall had been put, he put his hands out, determined not to run into it again. But as he inched forward, it became apparent that the wall was not in place. There's a bonus, Alex whispered under his breath. He slipped into the office, his ears tuned for any noise and stared at the row of blackboards on the wall. The three on the left showed various parts of Artemis flashing from one scene to another every 10 seconds or so. Alex waited until he saw the dining room and noted that Mr. Today was walking about cheerfully, stopping and chatting at each table. The remaining six blackboards showed moving views of Quill. Alex was horrified by how gray and desolate it looked. It was so much worse than he remembered. He watched each blackboard intrigued. One blackboard showed repeating views of the four quadrants, where all the houses and farms stood. He strained to pick out his parents' house from the vast expanse of rows and columns. But the picture changed too quickly for him to even come close to finding it. Stop chatting over on the side, please. He moved on and watched the quilletary grounds for a moment. Soldiers and officers walked about mechanically, their faces expressionless. Some of them worked on tanks and other vehicles, and others toiled in a windowless room filled with sheets of rusty metal and a few cutting tools.
Still, others painstakingly poured liquid from a dented tin pail into a vehicle's engine, careful not to spill a precious drop. On the last two blackboards were flashing shots of the government buildings of the palace and the palace of the high priest just seen. Alex's heart as he recognized the university grounds on one blackboard, and he waited anxiously for the scene to change, hoping against hope that he'd catch a glimpse of Aaron just to see him once, he thought, just to know he's okay. While he saw many university students sitting rigidly at lunch, he did not see his brother. Disappointed, he turned to the palace and watched with slitted eyes as the scene showed the governors in a small meeting room, and then it flashed to the high priest herself, alone in her office. Alex scowled and turned back to the university blackboard, which now flashed from the cafeteria to an empty dormitory room to a classroom. Alex shook his head sadly. Not only did the scenes of Quill depress him, but they also made him feel like he was so close to actually seeing Aaron, which made the results more disappointing. Just as he was about to turn away and go down to lunch, he took one last look at the university blackboard. And there, in the once empty dormitory room, was a dark-haired boy just entering. Alex's heart leaped. Was it him? Turn and look this way, he pleaded silently. But he knew instinctively whether it was the way the boy slipped the jacket off or the way he smoothed his quilletary haircut just so that it was Aaron. Alex tugged nervously at his shirt collar as he watched his brother turn and hang up his jacket. Almost as if he were reaching right through the wall to Alex, he touched his shaking fingers to the blackboard and gazed at Aaron. So serious, Alex whispered. And then the scene flipped to the cafeteria again. Alex snapped his head up and glanced nervously at the clock, knowing he needed to get out of there before Mr. Today showed up, but he couldn't go. 20 seconds later, the dormitory room scene returned. And now Aaron lay stretched out on his cot, staring at the ceiling, hands folded behind his head. To anyone else, Aaron's face might look expressionless. But to Alex, Aaron's face looked like a troubled sea. When the sea scene changed, Alex forced himself to go, leaving a little piece of him there with his brother. He wandered down to the dining room, completely preoccupied with thoughts of Aaron. Why him? Why was Mr. Today catch watching Aaron's room of all places? Could it possibly be a coincidence? Alex didn't realize that Alex didn't realize that he walked right past Miss Octavia, who called out a greeting, and he didn't notice Lainey stealing glances his way, her eyes growing more hurt each moment that he didn't acknowledge her. He also didn't see Mr. Today watching him closely, a look of grave concern on the man's face. Alex moved about quite unaware of anyone for the rest of the day. The only thing he was painfully aware of was that single question that pounded rhythm that pounded rhythmically in his head how